comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Soft on the inside, crunchy on the outside. Welcome to A Half Hour Wasted. I'm your co-host, Jar Jar Frank. This is Darth Father. And I am Lando Calbillion. Ah, very nice, very nice, very nice. Bill wins, Bill wins. (laughs) I think it's um, Allison on her phone in her contact for me. It's, uh, she has Darth Father. So that's why that's why I said that, Bill. I really like yours, Lando Calbillion. That's yeah, fan- Bill that's, Wynn. It, Bill Wynn. That is fantastic. That, that came to me three point one seconds ago. So uh, you know, it's fantastic. Uh, speaking oil, it's of, of speaking of Star Wars, what are we doing today, Frank? We are going to explore the uh, the uh, nine, the twenty fifteen movie. Uh, Force Awakens, the, the reissue of the new Star Wars franchise with Disney under its helm. And helping us do that today, we have two special guests. Brad, I think you should introduce our special guest. My young Padawans, Ashley <gasps> and Allison, are on Skype with what? us today. Hello. Hello. What up? Night. Hi, Ashley. Ashley, uh, you say you're uh, uh, go in order so people can recognize your voices. Ashley. Allison. Okay. Hopefully that'll oh, help I you. I can't tell them apart. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> my my uh, kids, probably Ashley, was probably one of our very first in-studio guests we ever had, maybe other than Flashlight the dog. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the so- first time I was on an episode, I think I was on episode 11 talking about uh, Spider-Man, Sam Raimi Spider-Man, and I was talking about how the Green Goblin gave me nightmares. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So wow. um, I don't blame you. Um, so the the Force Awakens came out in a, a a dark period for half hour wasted. It's when we weren't recording, um, and so we missed a proper uh, opportunity to do a, a proper re- movie review for the Force Awakens. And so we would like to do that now. So let's just jump right into it. Frank, take it away. Okay, I have a. Uh, the way we'll do it is I'll give you a couple of facts, and then we'll go scene by scene, and then we'll all kind of pipe up when we want to talk about that scene. Bef- so, before we get started, is it possible? And we don't have to. I'm just. This is merely a curiosity. Is it possible to review this movie without the lens of having seen the remainder of the sequel trilogy? I'm not so sure it is possible for me to make comment to not make comments i will do my best my absolute best to not uh 
tilt my review towards any opinions I may have of this movie after having seen the the, the remaining two movies of this trilogy. I, will you know, do my- I think I can because I found it uh, really kind of fascinating as I uh, watched it uh, a couple days ago that I was not placing it in context of The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Very good. Uh, I was... I was enjoying it literally on its own merits as a standalone movie, and um, uh, I was surprised by a few things. So very good. You know, same here. I think I, I can do that. Uh, that this movie, uh, um, uh, to me, it was like watching it with fresh eyes because I haven't seen it in so long. Uh, how about you, girls? I don't know. I haven't thought that much about it. About what what lens I look at it through. I do reserve the right to at least make one comment related to the trilogy as a whole in the discussion of this first movie. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll work hard on, on trying not to, uh, to keep it as a, as a standalone, but some real quick facts. Uh, it was released December 18th, 2015 opening weekend. It made $247 million. Here you go. Domestically, we are at nine hundred and thirty-six million, and worldwide, two billion dollars. Oh my, that's a lot of money. I don't know about you guys, but I had been waiting for what thirty-five years. What's the math from eighty-three to eighteen? I had been waiting that long for the next Star Wars movie. And in 99, when they started releasing the prequels, uh, it was obviously a, a huge sociological event. But, uh, but for me, this was the movie that I've been waiting for since 1983. So I was, I was pretty jazzed about it, let's just say. And to find out that J.J. Abrams is in charge of it uh, did not hurt a bit. 32 so, uh, years, Bill. Yeah. 32 years. Dang, man. Yeah. That's a, and that's Jay, a long and- time. And J.J. was hot off of his great work on the Star Trek reboot, which I think yeah. a, a lot of people uh, favored positively. Yeah. yeah. I was Although also had, super, uh, super excited when I heard that J.J. Abrams was doing this episode seven. Wasn't J.J. Uh, uh, wasn't his most recent movie uh, Into Darkness, though? No, it, 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 pro- it probably was, and uh, and you know I can't I can't speak for JJ's sequels. Um, I don't care for In the Darkness, uh, but I love Star Trek. The uh, uh, and, and that's what the I'm saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the Darkness was JJ uh, uh, Abrams had done um, uh, Star Trek in 09, which I still to this day will defend as just an almost perfect movie. And then um, he did some other things, but he did. Uh, um, uh, Ghost Pro- Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol in 11 and then Into Darkness in 13 and then The Force Awakens and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, he didn't direct Rogue Nation but um, uh, but yeah, he did uh, The Force Awakens and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation in the same year. Uh, produced both of them. Uh, directed uh, Force Awakens obviously. Okay, so uh, let's dive right into the movie. We start with the typical fanfare, Star Wars, or a long time ago, Galaxy Far Away, Star Wars. We get a crawl. Everyone loves that crawl. Star uh, Luke is missing. First Order's on the rise, and the galaxy is a mess after Return of the Jedi. Sorry, my notes cut off here for just a moment. Let's see. Oh, no. Leia sends a pilot named Poe to get information about her brother. And that takes us to uh, our 
first scene, which is a man handing uh, something over to Poe, and he utters this first line, which a lot of people uh, thought was a jab at the prequels, which the first line of the movie is, this will make things right. Oh. Never even thought of that way. No, no way. Uh, uh, I, I will say, when I first saw the movie and I heard that first line, I immediately went to the prequels. Wow, that's interesting. I'd never considered that. Um, but uh, I think you may be onto something there, Frank. Yeah. I liked the very first shot we got after the, the crawl. We see that silhouette of the the black Star Destroyer, the black silhouette of the Star Destroyer coming into frame. I thought that was really sweet. And then we see all those dropships, and we see the really quick flashes of the stormtroopers. We haven't seen stormtroopers in 32 years. What? The stormtroopers look a little different? They got new armor? What's up with that? And cool armor, too. Updated. Yeah. The way you would expect. It wasn't like crazy designs. It was just updated versions. I love the design of the troopers. New weapons, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like flamethrowers. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a small thing, right? But when you see it, you know, it's one thing to see it in the book, uh, comic book or read about it uh, uh, in, in the novelization. But when you see the new weapons in the movie, it's kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, felt, we, I was scared. Oh, go ahead. I was scared when I saw that stormtrooper with the with the flamethrower. I was like, oh, these are yeah. not your grandfather's stormtroopers. These guys mean business. They definitely are more intimidating than the original trilogy. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And for whatever it's worth, I have, um, I have never, uh, been into reading, uh, the novelizations of pretty much anything. Um, so my experience of this movie was pretty much as pure as JJ Abrams would have wanted it to be for, for anyone. Um, so I, I'm coming into this without any backstory that a novelization might provide. Yeah, I, I I am fully on board with the cinematic experience, and uh, and I don't have any other info. So, you know, for me, good times. We uh we meet Finn the stormtrooper, but at this point, he does not have a name. We meet a uh, stormtrooper named Finn. He's able to kind of break with his training. He's freaking out at all the shooting and stuff that's happening. Uh, then Kylo arrives, and we see Kylo. His entrance is pretty spectacular. He is a badass just right out the gate. He stops a bolt in midair. That's how powerful this guy is. Oh, yeah. That's, we also, that's and we also the, meet Cap, Captain Phasma. That frozen laser bolt was one of the most overt displays of the force you know, that we had seen. Of course, it had been 32 years, and I guess there was pretty overt displays of the Force in the last movie we saw, which was the Emperor's lightning bolts coming out. But to see, that's something we'd never seen before, was the actual freezing of a laser bolt like that. That was pretty incredible. It is always awesome to see uh, another new manifestation of the Force. Um, I, I had the same feeling, um, you know, the the first scene in um, uh, Episode 1, where you get to see the uh, the, the Jedi uh, hopping around and you know uh, jumping down thirty foot drops without you know any, anything and, and doing their their little Barry Allen you know running fast bit. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's always cool to see a new way to express the Force. There's another first in this scene as well, and it's the first time oh. we've we've ever seen blood associated with stormtroopers or 
or death, really, in the Star Wars universe. I mean, we saw in Episode Four when Obi-Wan Kenobi cut the guy's arm off in the cantina, we saw the arm laying there, and we saw blood on the end of the arm. And that's the only, really, the only other time we've ever really seen blood, I think, in all of Star Wars, including the prequels. But this is, this you know, the guy gets hurt, and he's obviously touched himself, and then he reaches up and he touches FN 2187's helmet. And that's a, that, that scene with the blood was very striking to me, because that was a first, another first already in this movie. That's one of, like, when I uh, think about Force Awakens, that's one of the first images that comes to mind, is, is that bloody handprint across the Stormtrooper helmet, for sure. That's... It was a very um, compelling and enthralling opening to have a scene like that. In a different situation, you would almost call that war paint at that point. Mm-hmm. But of course, that's not the way Finn. Uh, <laughs> that's not the way he uh, went with it. Um, yeah. it was very interesting to to find out that uh, stormtroopers are not all you know just just biological robots. That uh, you know some of them do have fears and phobias and, and uh, you know, can get freaked out by things. Uh, Cause that had, that, that idea had, had never been introduced uh, before. Um, right. You know, in the prequels, obviously they're, they're all clones of, of, of a real badass, and uh, you just never, you never got that kind of insider info um, during the original uh, series. So, you know, yeah, uh, again, uh, the, the great JJ Abrams, showing us things that we'd never seen before. Fantastic. The, um, uh, if, if you hadn't seen the trailer, you would still be under the assumption that all stormtroopers are clones. Uh, but you know, we will, it will be revealed later on in the movie that yeah. these are people who receive special training, brainwashing yeah. essentially. And they're not all boys um, either. Cause you hear, you hear, a. a other than Captain Phasma, you hear a, a, a girl voice coming from a stormtrooper's uh, uniform hmm. later on. Interesting. Uh, the one thing I would like to point out is uh, just the, you know, what what a good actor Finn is, uh, the actor who does it, because he, you know, he displays he displays so much emotion by just turning his head while in this stormtrooper suit and and you know displaying that he is not comfortable in this battle. And uh, he's frightened, and and he all do, he does that with the mask on. It's amazing to me. Yeah, I really yeah, like. Sorry, isn't that one of the first images in the first trailer for Force Awakens? You see the desert landscape, and then boom, his head pops up. <laughs> I remember watching that the first time and going, "Oh my god, who is this guy? I want to know about him." This is a stormtrooper showing emotion, like yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, we also meet Captain Phasma. Uh, but she just kind of, uh, you can tell she is a, a, a stormtrooper of authority. Uh, I guess we're seeing rank for the first time in the stormtrooper, uh, um, uh, um, uh, in the movies. That's absolutely sure, right. She sure is the prettiest stormtrooper we've ever seen. Oh my. You know, very shiny, very shiny silver chrome. It's awesome. I'm sure I realized this in 2015, but uh, it was really cool in that, that opening scene as they, uh, they come in and, and raise the village, uh, that you notice that, uh, yeah, like you said, there are stormtroopers clearly with different ranks. There are the ones with the, uh, the, the, the right shoulder, um, addition, whatever you want to call that, the fin, 
and uh, some of them were white, some of them were red. Uh, clearly, that was uh, indicative of um, you know rank. And then, of course, you know Captain Phasma and her freaking Chrome uh, Stormtrooper outfit. Um, I wish that at some point in those three movies they'd explained that. And my guess is that novelization took care of it, but the movies sure didn't. Well, the, the novelization really didn't add much to this movie, and I, I've read them. There was a little bit, but it wasn't the kind okay. of detail you're talking about. Ashley, did we know going in to this movie that who was in the Chrome Stormtrooper outfit? Did we know who that was? Did we know who the actress was, or yeah. did we know... Yeah, did we know it was the girl from Game of Thrones going in? Yes, I believe so. Okay, because you could sure... Yeah, it, you look could, it up on IMDb, like, same thing with Adam Driver. But I think that was, I think, to answer your question, we did know because I think it was, um, it was made a big deal of the fact that a stormtrooper of rank, true, and not only that, but of a high rank, was a female. Yeah, and you could certainly seen either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I believe we did know it was Gwendolyn Christie, and we could obviously tell it was her once she spoke. I mean, because she her voice is yeah. very recognizable. She also at at this point, this is the first time we hear Finn's designation FN two one eight seven, and um, yes, that's a callback to the original uh, episode four. Do you guys know why two one eight seven? Is it? No, is I don't. It? Isn't it like the vault number that Leia's cell block twenty one eighty seven? Yeah, that's where that's where Leia was being Very held nice. held prisoner in the first uh, Death Star. What a weird callback! Well, JJ is a man. Was Kelvin worked into this movie? Yes, and we find that it comes up later when uh, Ray is talking okay. to BB eight. Okay, so uh, after after Phasma calls out Finn, we smash cut to Ray. Ray, who we don't know her name just yet, is a scavenger. We get to hear her. We, yeah, we get to see her scavenging through this uh, fallen uh, uh, ship, and it's huge. And we get just the most adorable scene of her sliding down a sun, sand dune while her theme plays underneath her. Um. One thing I did want to point out during this scene, and we see her scavenging, is that there there is a very when she's packing up her her uh, her motorcycle, her vehicle. There was a very deliberate close up of her putting her staff in, which I guess plays a little later as we learn more about this character. But we we see her get her portions, we see what her life is like, and then there's that wonderful scene of her sitting outside a fallen adat. Uh, wearing a helmet and just looking at the skies, waiting for something. We don't know just yet what, but waiting for something. I love that scene because it, it gives you the impression that this isn't just some hardened scavenger, that this may be, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a scared child. You know, it, 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 uh, it was also interesting to me how relatively young she looked um, after having seen her in the, the, the previous uh, two movies. I think she's supposed to be 19 in this movie, just like um, Luke was in A New Hope. Okay. Correct. I love the fact when we first see Ray, that smash cut that Frank mentioned, she's got those goggles made out of Stormtrooper eyepieces. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I didn't know that those were... Yeah. Yeah. The old style Stormtrooper eyepieces. Yeah. Yeah. If you go back and look at that. It's pretty awesome. She obviously found him in the wreck of that Star Destroyer. You know, it's pretty awesome. 
And her going through that Star Destroyer is, is in itself pretty fascinating because you can you can kind of see like the remnants of what what war does. You know, it's just like there's this battle going on between the Republic and and the First Order, or at that time the Empire and, and the Rebellion. But it's it's you know all these remnants that are left and the people who just have to deal with that after after it's all done. Those shots of that <laughs> Star Destroyer in the desert. Those establishing shots, just beautiful shots. It makes you wonder what what was this battle all about? You know, how long ago was it? I was just going to ask, has there ever been any kind of novelization or comic book treatment of the Battle of Jakku? I don't believe that so. is the last. That is the last stand for the Empire. Really? It takes place over Jakku, yeah. Because that explains why, why it's a graveyard of Star Destroyers, which I thought was just... That just one of the coolest visuals in all nine of the movies yeah. uh, was those those half buried star destroyers. Clearly, they've been there for a while. I think there's a shot of a buried X-wing in there too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they the, the find out that her home is an Adat Walker on its side. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> That scene of Ray putting on the fighter helmet and just looking out in the sky, I love that scene so much. I do too, because it's just it's just it gives the idea that she's just she really is innocent. You know, she's she's not you know, she hasn't grown beyond childish things like imagination. Yeah, well you know, she's just, got a doll. A There's a real cool. quick shot of a doll like an X Wing pilot that she put together a doll. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good stuff. Girls, you want to add anything? Not really. When we were watching The Force Awakens a couple nights ago, we actually had a lot of the same conversation about that scene. Yeah, she just she looks twelve. It's awesome. (laughs) When she when she puts that helmet on, it's just the only other the only other thought I had specific when you guys were talking about her scavenging that destroyer was um, like how much of it. It's not pertinent to anything. It's just fun to think about how much of the destroyer she's already scavenged through and for how long she's been doing it and then how much is left. Cause they're, they're massive. And so, like you said, what's left in the remnants of war, what's in there and how much she's found and what she used. It's just fun to think about. I just the, thought it was um, amazing to see the, the scope of the, the inside of a star destroyer. She yeah. is rappelling down what looks to be about, you know, it looks like she's rappelling over the edge of the freaking Grand Canyon or something. Yeah. Then to think the, that they're, uh, they're all like that. Uh, fun fact, uh, Ray's first scene, uh, the actress's first scene, was the scrubbing of that um, component she's cleaning. Yeah. And uh, that was her first scene of the movie that, that she did as Ray. And uh, uh, interesting thing about it is that she had a freak out after she had done it because she started to doubt herself as an actress and that she didn't know she could carry the role. And she had put so much energy into scrubbing that component that she had hurt her hands. Um, she was just she was very, very nervous. Obviously, things kind of worked out, but uh, but there was a lot of uncertainty uh, for Daisy uh, uh, Daisy Ridley. Hmm. Uh, so, moving on, uh, Ray meets BB-8, and Poe and Kylo match wits, but Kylo wins, and Ray tells BBB tells BB-8 her story. I love that scene where. Kylo ran and Poe 
Well, when they first meet on the planet, you know, like he's like, "Who talks first? Do you talk? Do I talk? What's what's going on here?" He's. Yeah. I love Poe. Poe. Poe's a a clever, funny guy, and I really like him. And then even when he's strapped to that, t- you know, interrogation table in the, in the uh, starter store or whatever, he's like, he's still got that whimsical. I'm not afraid of you, deal until until Kylo Ren actually gets in his mind and, and it's physically starts hurting. Yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten how much I had forgotten about that movie. Um, I, there were actually whole sections. I, I didn't remember like, like uh, Poe getting uh, taken and interrogated and, and stuff. Um, uh, real interesting. I think the, the one thing I had uh, uh, troubles with was trying to, uh, uh, trying to divorce uh, watching the movie from the thought that oh, this is just a, a redo of episode four. And so you just kind of kept coming back to, okay, this is kind of an analog to that scene. This is kind of an analog to that scene. And um, I would say that's probably my, you know, this is not a new thought. You know, everybody's thought that uh, since it came out. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I kept trying to find ways that this was, was original and new. Uh, as opposed to uh, uh, just, oh, well, you're just aping the interrogation scene of Princess Leia here, uh, that kind of thing. One quick note, when we are on the Star Destroyer, when um, Ren and and Poe are there, we hear the mouse droid, we see a mouse droid, and it makes the same, (laughs) very same noise that it does in episode four, where it goes, (laughs) we hear that very same noise. It's really cool that there are some things that are still consistent and same. Uh, uh, Allison, Ash? yes, yes, uh, yeah. So, how about you? How about you guys? Uh, uh, we, especially the scene where uh, Ray tells uh, BB-8 kind of her story, which she doesn't go into detail about, but she does talk about you know she's waiting on someone. I think it's 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 a good dive into kind of her character and how she reacts to certain things because up to this point she's never really had someone can confide in um and you know it being a droid it's not like he's going to um i think push her away in any sense and it's just uh, he acts as an outlet for her and um you see that there's a lot more going on underneath and why is she the way she is who is she waiting for that sort of thing ashley this is also the same conversation where she tells BB-8, stay off of Kelvin Ridge. Yeah. The, uh, uh, I think this is the first time, too, we see Ray and, uh, and her personality comes out where um, she's hardened. She, uh, uh, you know, she, she does help BB-8, of course. She saves him, and she knows that the guy who tried to get her was, uh, was just going to scrap him. But, but she's also very dismissive of BB-8. She, she doesn't just go that way. I don't need any friends. And she, she, she's a bit of a, a hardened woman at this point. Um, like, she doesn't trust anyone uh, on that planet. Right. It might even be the first time that she's ever granted it's from a droid, but that somebody or something has shown any sort of desire to stay with her or accompany her. And she lets the eight stay until the morning when she tells him that she, he has to go. But yeah, um, yeah, it's inter- it is interesting to see her reaction to even, even just a droid 
asking if he can stay. Yeah. I always thought it was a really interesting uh, that movie that uh, she was, like you said, entirely dismissive of BB-8, just basically told him, no, the town's that way, just just go away now. Um, I would think if, if a droid, you know, unless you're, unless you're suspecting trouble, you know, behind it, you know, if a droid dropped into your life, why wouldn't you want to keep it around? I mean, why wouldn't that be a, a really cool thing to have, um, or, or to, to work with or, or to be a companion or something? I just, I never understood why she was just like, nope, go away, go away. Don't want you. She doesn't want things to change. She wants, she's still waiting. She's stuck in that moment in her past where she's waiting for her family to come back. And, you know, if new things start happening to her, that means the old things probably won't start happening. And she's worried that her family will never come back. Uh, I think this might be the same scene where um, or maybe happens later where uh, um, the junk dealer offers to buy BB-8 for uh, 60 portions or whatever it is. And 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 she uh, she considers it for maybe half a second and then go, no, I better not. Um, is that, is that the scene or does that happen later? No, that's pretty early on. That's, that's right after she, uh, does the, uh, the, the part scrubbing, isn't it? You know who that junk dealer was right inside the costume. Simon Pig. That's right, Al Simon Pig. Oh, it was, I thought it was Clancy Brown. How weird. No, no, okay. Simon Pig. <laughs> So, uh, uh, so Finn and Poe, uh, meet up on the ship and, uh, Finn says, I'm going to help you escape. Uh, uh, this mirrors somewhat the scene of Luke trying to save Leia from the Death Star. Uh, they end up escaping in spectacular fashion and they crash on Jakku and Finn thinks Poe is dead. And so he starts to travel the desert. I heard a Wilhelm scream when they were escaping from the Star Destroyer. I don't know if there was one at the very beginning on the planet with Kylo Ren and Finn and all that, but I know I did hear a Wilhelm scream in this scene. I heard it too. And also... Yeah, they they got the Wilhelm scream out of the way pretty early, didn't they? Yeah, they did. (laughs) I kind of chuckled to myself. Like, oh, there it is. Okay, we're good. There was a... um, a first order officer in one of those hats in, uh, and with a kind of a skinny drawn face in this, uh, scene where, and anyway, that actor was the guy who ended up side note playing, um, air star in the TV show preacher based on the comic of the same name, just another actor connection. Which character? It was a, it was one of the, um, first order officers on one of the star destroyers. Oh, wow. It was just one quick scene, one quick uh, bit that he was in, and I don't think we saw him the rest of the movie. Uh, Girls, when uh, uh, when Poe and Finn uh, end up uh, fighting and and Poe gives Finn his name, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on on that scene? I I thought that that was a – I thought those two had um, immediate energy when they were together, like good chemistry. Oh, yeah. Incredible chemistry. That's something else we talked about, too, as yeah. we've been watching. Because, again, again, kind of with with Ray having someone to talk to, it's Finn does as well. He It's kind of his first... Um, it, it's him obtaining his first little piece of identity, you know, with and just that simple act of Poe saying, 
FN to any, I don't like that. I'm yeah. going to call you Finn. And then Finn goes, yeah, I like that. It, you, his face instantly lights up. And um, he has something that's personal to just himself something for the first he, time ever. He can own himself. And that, that was really, um, I don't know, really critical, I think, for his character. The uh, the scene where they crash on Jakku and we think Poe is dead. Um, uh, Finn's journey uh, through that whole scene where he's looking for Poe and gets the jacket and stuff. For me, that that part is uh, is just so kind of cool because you know Finn. I don't know for maybe the first time in his life he's by himself. I imagine he's always been surrounded by people and now he is on this desert planet alone and uh, uh, he has to figure things out. And the the first friend he has made uh, may be dead as far as he's concerned. And that in the same scene, he's as he's walking across the desert, after he's just been assigned what we said, his first piece of identity. He's figuratively and literally stripping pieces of his stormtrooper identity. Ah, Ooh. As, yes. as he's crossing the desert. So, yeah, I like that scene, too. That's cool. Yeah, that's a great observation. Okay, so let's see. Uh, Finn thinks Bo's dead. He travels to the desert. Then we go back and we get our first mention of Snope. Snope is mentioned. Uh, then Finn is rescued by Ray, but uh, um, hold on. My notes aren't complete. Frank, well, who, is, before. who is Snope? Uh, <laughs> uh, Snope. Yeah, you know, Snope. Snope. Snope is Bobo Fett's friend. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> no, we get our I like that. We, uh, we get our first mention of Snope. Uh, um, I my notes aren't complete on this. Uh, does anyone remember the scene? Hux, Hux is talking to um, Kylo Ren and Hux are talking to each other, and um, I think Hux mentions Snoke, and then uh, or maybe. I can't remember who it was. One of them mentioned Snoke, and this is also the scene uh, where, like Bill mentioned earlier, we get to, we get more evidence that the stormtroopers are not clones. Because um, I think Kylo, right. Kylo Ren right. says something about maybe Supreme Leader Snoke should start using a clone army again or whatever, and and Hux is very uh, defensive of his stormtrooper uh, program. Um, so at this point in the movie, uh, we know that there is some Supreme Chancellor, just like the Emperor, but we don't know what he looks like, or the, we just know that he exists. So that, that's very intriguing. Um, so moving on, we get to Finn, who, uh, is in search of water in the village and he finally finds some and it stinks, but he's so thirsty, he drinks it anyway. And in the distance, he sees Ray for the first time, and she is being accosted by two guys. But and he goes to rescue her, but she can take care of herself. She don't need no help. Uh, Finn finally, uh, or BB-8, recognizes the jacket that Finn is wearing, and um, Ray immediately goes to beat up uh, Finn. And they they talk, and he flirts with her, and they iron everything out, and they explain that Poe is apparently dead, and. And that he claims to be part of the rebellion, and and he's trying to get off planet, and and she is gonna gonna help him, and then stormtroopers show up, and they end up running through the desert. Uh, uh, Finn tries to 
be a gentleman and grabs Ray's hand and Ray will have none of it, which is amazing. Yeah, and, that. uh, as they're, they're running for safety to a, to a spaceship, uh, it, it explodes. And so they have to go to their second choice, which turns out to be the Melanian Falcon. God, what a great reveal that was too, because I, it'd been long enough since I'd seen the movie. I, I did, I had forgotten that that was the way they found the ship. I, when, when they're running to the, the quad thruster or whatever, which is all chrome and, and beautiful. And you see it for about a half a second before it explodes. And then Ray goes, no, we're taking the crappy one. And they turn around and it's like, Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Vince says, um, Vince says, what about that one? She goes, that, that ship's garbage. And then the quad yeah. jumper, <laughs> quad jumper blows up and she goes, the garbage will do. Yes. <laughs> before you see the full establishing shot of the Falcon, after she says the garbage will do, if you back up a few seconds, there's one quick swish pan that follows the two of them running, and it's so quick that you can't tell it's the Falcon, but if you if you go back and look, you can actually see what's supposed to be the Falcon in that really quick swish pan like that, but you don't oh, know fantastic. it's the Falcon until the, the reveal. Nice. We also get the uh, 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 the establishment that uh, uh, Ray isn't your typical uh, um, woman in need in Ray with Finn trying to help her. She can take care of herself, yeah. and e- even the the grabbing of the hand, which is very cliche in movies, she will have none of it. And uh, it it is a pretty pretty cool scene, um, being that we don't know anything about Ray to this point. That, uh, but we know that she is strong-willed. This, yeah, when we start seeing this stuff about her, like, quit taking my hand. This is the the point when I realized, okay, I think I'm really gonna like this character, Ray. She seems like she's gonna hold her own. And she's a pilot. She's knows what she's doing. She can fight, and um, she's not gonna take any crap. And you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of people I want my girls. My twenty, almost twenty-one, and my twenty-five-year-old girls to be. I want them to be strong and independent. They can take care of themselves and not take crap from anybody and not get walked over. So I really, I really fell in love with Ray as a character at this point. Um, I want to make a comment about the Falcon. When they run into the Falcon, uh, she says this ship hasn't flown in years, but all the friggin' lights are on and the motor starts right up. Does that mean Ankar Plot, who has stolen the Falcon from somebody, who stole it from somebody, who stole it from Han Solo, does that mean he's just like kept the lights on like Howard Johnson's this whole time? I I was I was under the impression this is just this is me creating my own fiction is that he lived on it that that was just essentially his house he didn't I even could, use it as a spaceship anymore dude that's that's perfect and I'm totally going yeah. with that from now on I love that yeah, that's, that's his, nice. that was his apartment. Yeah, I always- I always assumed that was his version of the the old uh, Mustang in your garage that you're going to have fixed up someday. So, you know, you might replace a couple of parts on it, and then, you know, a year later, you'll replace a couple more parts on it, and eventually, you know, it's going to be something you can drive around. Is that 68 Mustang that lives in your backyard that's got, like, a family of bees in the front and a family of rabbits <laughs> right. in the trunk, and you got a... Yeah. Wait, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. talking about Bill Saturn in the front of his house. That's right, Bill Saturn. Oh, dude, that thing's, that thing's gone, man. Yay! Yay! I, uh, I I gave that to uh, Dallas Can, and they, they dragged it off back in January. So oh, that's fantastic. It's, it's, it's hopefully... I. 
I even when the uh, when the guy showed up uh, to take it, the the uh, the Dallas Can Academy guy, I, I said, "I'm sorry, I don't know how much help this is going to be to you guys, but thank you." And he was like, "No, man, everything helps." And it's like, "Okay, well, good. I don't feel quite so bad now." <laughs> so when Ray and and Finn finally get on the ship, they ex- they escape the planet, and some mechanical problem happens, and they're trying to to fix it. There's a lot of cool banter between the two of them about where's the hidden resistance base and Finn's trying to get BB-8 to tell about it. Allison, why don't you tell everybody who is responsible for the wonderful, wonderful BB-8 dialogue in this movie? Okay, well, it's not all him. It's Bill Hader, who I'm in love with, is one of two (laughs) voice consultants on this uh, movie. Um, Ben Schwartz, who played John Ralphio on Parks and Rec, was another. But basically, the uh, BB-8's voice, what you hear is Bill Hader through, like, not a vocoder, but just through like, an audio program, kind of the right. whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop, like he's, <laughs> He no did, way. I saw a video where he's that talking about awesome. how he did, like, a, an hour's worth of voiceover dialogue session where all he did was, like, make noises, and they just kind of took all these noises <laughs> and processed them and, and made BB-8's language. Oh, that's amazing! Uh, Zoe is is going to have a uh, she's going to have kittens when uh, when I tell her that <laughs> <laughs> because she uh, she like we're we're all gigantic uh, Bill Hader fans around this house. I'm sure I'm, I pale in comparison to her, though. So yes, yeah, so you've got you've got company uh, with uh, Bill Hader uh, diggers. Frank, the next that whole <laughs> the next scene that you're about to talk about is probably my favorite moment in the entire movie. Okay, and, and here's what my notes say. Uh, we see Kylo lose his caca, and Kylo uh, freaks out when he learns of a girl. Uh oh. Is that no, the I scene? I forgot Brad? about that scene. It's the one that happens after oh, okay. this. Okay. But still, that's so, a great uh, scene when he so loses yeah, it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and he, he just, uh, as a viewer in the theater, when I first saw that scene, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And he he does that with the with his lightsaber against the console. Uh, it, you know, it speaks to you that that this guy is just a little unhinged, and he is dangerous. And he, uh, he, he yeah, uh, we've already kind of kind of established that he's he's a baddie, but he's a little unhinged too. Um, well, he's not unhinged. He's throwing a tantrum like a child. He clearly has zero emotional intelligence, which makes it really interesting. And he uh, uh, and the way he collects himself at, at the end and, and uh, uh, with the um, with the guy who gives him the news. And can someone um, maybe explain to me why uh, why he has sudden interest in the girl? Do we know has something been established that I missed early in the movie? No, it's just another wrinkle in this mystery of where is this Dago map and who is this new person in it? Okay. I mean, you got to think that there's, there's, he's got to recognize some kind of force, not necessarily connection at this point, you know, that would show up in the next movie, but you know, he's got to realize that she's more than just a, a you know, old scavenger waif, well, you know, on a backwards. He definitely planet. does in, a, in a, 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 you know, halfway through the movie, there's another scene where he's talking to Snoke and he, he pretty much says what you just said out loud. But at this point, she's just yeah. another wrinkle in his plan and he's upset about it. Brad, do you want to talk about the next scene? Just do you want my, to do the, the scene. <laughs> I mean, yeah, describe it. 
so Ray and 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 Finn are trying to fix this this gas leak, and then all of a sudden the lights go red, and there's a big problem, and there's somebody you know. Uh, that's not good. And so they go look out the window and I love it when Ray, no, when Finn is like trying to climb up on the seats and he's like stepping on top of Ray and she's like, get off and all that stuff. That's pretty cool. (laughs) But he looks out and he sees this big ship swallowing them. He's like, Oh no, it's a first order. And then he's like, can you just undo the problem that you fixed, you know, to like poison these people trying to come get us. And then, so they're hiding down below (laughs) and then, you can hear the the doors un from in, you're inside the Falcon and you hear the a bunch of doors opening and stuff and then the final door the inner door rolls up like this and in comes friggin' Han Solo and Chewbacca and my body turns into one huge goosebump. Been 32 years I've been waiting <laughs> to see friggin' Han Solo again and he goes Chewie we're home and I just melted nice. in a puddle of geek fandom. Yes yes. Uh, if anything, my, my um, not of the scene, but I wish the movie trailers had not spoiled that scene because I can only imagine being in the theater and seeing that and just like being so yeah. surprised. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that, uh, Brad, I'm oh with you gosh. on that one. I can think of it now. Even watching it, you know, yesterday when that happened, I was just like, just melted goosebumps. Just so great. It's just so great. Aunt Solo has always been my favorite character. And there's that line about like you're Han Solo, the general, the smuggler. You know, uh, both Ray and Finn have different versions of the Han yeah, Solo. And he know. says, "You're Han Solo." And he goes, "I used to be." I thought that was an interesting choice of his dialogue when he says, "I used to be." I just read something about that. Apparently, that's what Harrison Ford says to fans whenever they see him and go, you're, you're Harrison Ford here. And he, in real life says, I oh, used to be. That's nice. Wow. I like it. I like it's that funny. A lot too. So great. Great. It's thing. interesting how, and, and we see this happen in real life. You know, the myth of somebody will build up things will details will change. And, you know, it went from 12 parsecs in the castle run to 14 parsecs. You know, the myth has gotten huger and bigger and stuff. And you can just tell, much like Harrison Ford, in real life, just like Ashley said, Han Solo's had enough of being famous. He's had enough of his old life. He wants to move on, you know, and not be that person anymore. Um, so uh, uh, Han and the gang, they meet up with the rival gangs on Han's second ship. And Ray. I guess you could say uses the force to save Finn after he's captured from some of these monsters because she closes that door right, right on time to chop off the tentacles. And, um, and then they all end up escaping, uh, on the millennium Falcon. Just backing up briefly when, when, uh, Ray is and Finn are, are, are talking to Han and she's like, you know, the Jedi are real. And he's like, yeah, it's all real. The, the forest, the light and the dark, it's all true. You can really tell. And when she mentions Luke, you know, first he stops in his tracks and he goes like, yeah, I knew about Luke. And then she's, you could really tell that he's just heartbroken that he hasn't seen his, his friend in so long. He just cares so much about Luke. And I just thought that was, 
a really nice thing to see because when you go back and you watch those old movies, you know, he obviously didn't give two craps about Luke and he, when he first met him, he was just a job, you know, and then he becomes, they become family at the end of the trilogy, right? So, you know, to see him heartbroken that his friend is gone and his friend is left, you know, I just, you can really tell that Han cares about him and that just, that moves me a lot too. And I don't know, this is a Harrison Ford thing. But in a lot of Harrison Ford's acting, he points a whole lot. And we've talked about this before. But Han Solo <laughs> is doing a lot of pointing in this movie. But that's a Harrison Ford thing to begin with. Interesting. Uh, him uh, talking to the two rival gangs and him digging his his uh, his hole deeper and deeper. Uh, I think this is the uh, this is the first time we get to see Han the smuggler in action. And just how, how uh, in an Indiana Jones type of way, he always gets out by luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's just a lucky thing that happens that ends up sa- saving his hide. Because based on the conversation he has with the two rival gangs, you know, he bar- he, you know, he, he stole from Peter to pay Paul. And now he's just in this crazy Ponzi scheme type of debt. And he's just trying to make it all work out and come out on top. And, um, uh, you know, he, Harrison Ford is a terrible businessman. <laughs> Great smuggler. Terrible. He even says, I love that. go ahead, Al. Huh? I love that line when he's like, when have I never not delivered for you or whatever? And then the, this guy says this thing and the other guy goes, twice. he goes, he thinks for a second and he goes, what was the second yeah, time? That's, right. that's one of my favorite Han lines in that yeah, whole this movie. Is, you know, we really didn't get to ever see Han being a smuggler or a quote-unquote businessman, like Frank said, until the special edition of Star Wars when they reinserted that Jabba scene. You know, we get to see a little bit of that banter bargaining that he does with, with Jabba. So this was kind of a neat thing. You know, as we find out later in this movie, when Han and Leia have start having issues, they kind of go their separate ways. And Han says they go back to doing what they have always done best. And in this case, Han's thing he's done best was being a smuggler. And like Frank said, uh, he starts to talk his way out of it. And he even says out loud, I'm just going to do what I always do and talk my way out of things, you know, which is like Frank also said, very similar to uh, Indiana Jones. And, you know, he can there. I they're tied together whether or not they're not whether they're not yeah, whether they they're are. not supposed to be or not they're tied together because it's Hans uh, because it's Harrison Ford that plays both but but yeah the whole this whole scene where he's like trying to talk his way out of the hole that Frank said he's digging himself is really great oh and then of course we get to hear we get to hear the the one thing we always want to hear in every Star Wars movie and it's Han Solo that gets to say it I've got a bad feeling about this. That's always great to hear him say that. Yeah. And and I, I'm sure you guys heard uh, an audible or maybe a light clapping in the theater oh, when yeah. that came up. I mean, when that line comes up, people love it. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, uh, we get our first shot of Snoke, and he is a giant. He's giant. He's so big. And uh, and uh, we're, it's later revealed he's he's a hologram. But so uh, at the time, I thought he was a giant man. <laughs> and he's uh, not in shape, by the way. No, and, this is uh, one of those. This is and, one of those times when I'll 
talk about it with the lens of seeing all three movies. You know, when when I watch this now, knowing that he's a clone, it makes me wonder, okay, how did... Obviously, this was this clone bred with the knowledge of the Force? And I can't remember if Snoke was a clone of Palpatine or if he was just a clone that Palpatine created. Because in The Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine says, I made Snoke. So I'm, I wonder, I don't think we ever really did get any answers, even in the novelization of Rise of Skywalker, where Snake, Snoke actually originated from, like where his clone originated from. But I was under the impression he was just crafted he from might the have force. Been. He might have been. The same way that... Palpatine has previously crafted. Yeah, from um, I, I agree with you. I I just always kind of had the impression that uh, that it was not a clone of Palpatine. Um, just if nothing else, because the face is completely different, and why would you make something that was so clearly broken? <clears throat> yeah. Even, even though he he got better, you know, as the uh, the three as the as the movies progressed, and you get into Last Jedi. I just remember being very confused about. Snoke when he first showed up like I remember thinking is that a person or is that a hologram because it doesn't oh, it's, it's, it doesn't quite look like a person it's the uh, and, the JJ Abrams mystery box of yeah and is that is that person really that big or is he just making himself look that big so I just remember <laughs> yeah. thinking all these thoughts I, I thought he was that big <laughs> nice <laughs> you know until it's revealed he's a hologram uh, they also he also has a conversation with Kylo about uh, uh, Kylo's doubt of his um, uh, of his connection to the Force. Uh, 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 that one, uh, my notes aren't complete on that one. All I have is that they they discuss their training and Han Solo. I, are you wondering whether or not he, you know, anybody knew that he was the the son of who he was the son of. Well, I think uh, in my notes, and you guys can jump in if I got this wrong, but so uh, 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 Snoke says to Kylo something about his training, about like he starts to doubt his training, that he's taking it seriously. And, uh, you know, can you handle seeing your father again? Something along those lines. Am I mistaken? No, that's right. He even says, you know, the the droid is in the hands of your father, Han Solo. And he's like, uh, Kylo says, he means nothing to me. That's right. That's yeah, right. yeah. We okay. find out that he's Ben, and that's clearly Ben Solo. Pretty much. I mean, not in the first scene of the movie, but it's not kept a secret for long. No, it's not. So they're they're not trying to hide that from the audience. And is this is this the first reveal? It's the, the first Hanukkah time we. Yes, are, are, it's the first okay. time that that any connection is made between the two of them. Yes, yes. and so my my geek brain immediately went into, okay, does that mean he's Leia's son also? You know, because at this point in the movie theater, this is as far as we've gotten in the movie. Was this scene? Uh, um, yeah, I, I assume that. Uh, I I think I, I vaguely remember just kind of making the assumption that well, obviously it's it's you know Han and Leia's uh, kid because last we saw them, they were happily together. So you know why you know J.J. Abrams can certainly throw us a curveball, but uh, I don't think I had assumed that a curveball was on the way at that point. I don't think it's much further into the movie, maybe halfway through the movie, when we are, in fact, told without a shadow of a doubt that it is Leia's son as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Allison and Ash, do you uh, do you remember your uh, reaction to this when you discovered? I don't remember my reaction, but and it's very possible that I already knew that because when it comes to Star Wars, I don't dodge spoilers. <laughs> and a lot of times, I go digging for them, and anything I can find, I'll read. Um, I don't. Rem- I don't know if I went into the movie knowing that or not, but I know that it was nice hearing confirmation whether or not I knew and also at this point and I think my dad was a lot on the same line I was dead set on the fact that Ray and Ben were related but also I wanted them so badly to be the movie version of the twins Jason and Jaina so for I watched this oh. movie Hoping and praying, and <laughs> and and explain explain to the listeners who who that is. So, in the books that no longer make any difference, the <laughs> part of the Legends universe things to be called the EU, the expanded or extended universe for Star Wars. Um, Han Solo and Leia have three kids, two of which are twins, named Jason and Jaina. Which, by the way, my dad somehow talked to my mother into naming possible twins Jason and Jada. So I could have. <laughs> um, and the, there's another kid whose name um, I believe is Anakin. But yes, um, I I wanted them so badly to be Jason and Jana, and I thought that that would be a way to incorporate part of the story that essentially doesn't matter anymore because I read a lot of those EU books. I actually have a box sitting behind me of a bunch of them too. And I loved those stories. I read them and read them and read them. And I had just held on to that storyline and the thought that they were twins. Cause they look to be around the same age. There's no reason in my mind at this point that they couldn't be related. So there were, there my- were a lot of people myself included, like you said, that, that really were hoping that they were going to start bringing some of that old EU stuff into the movies, and in particular that they could have been the movie equivalent of Jason and Jaina. So my, my perception was a bit skewed by my own doing, but obviously I'm happy where everything landed and where what we found out in the movie and everything, but I was telling myself a lot of things were going to happen hoping that they were going to happen that never did. But yeah, you know, it is a shame that, that a lot more of the EU didn't make it into the movie universe because there, there were a lot of great so much concepts. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but you know, I, I guess if you're given the reins to, to do star Wars, uh, and while there's back material, you know, you always kind of want to make your own. And I, and I'm sure, you know, I, I uh, um, I, I'm sure the writers were just like, okay, well, that's cool, but we're going to try something different. Yeah. Um, so moving on, the gang goes to meet Maz, and we get a similar cantina scene that I guess you have to have in all Star Wars movies. Uh, <laughs> and Ray has the wonderful, wonderful line of never seen so much green before. Yeah. Yeah. When they get out of the planet, get out of the ship onto the planet. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. She, I love that scene where she just walks outside and she just 
stands there and just kind of closes her eyes and just feels the nature, you know, that she's never experienced before. Oh, it's so sad when she says that. I've never seen so much green. They're in the ship still, and Han looks at her like, that's the most sad thing I've ever heard anybody ever say. (laughs) Well, and to sit here, to to watch her, uh, you know, get off the ship and and that, that scene she's looking out on has got a gigantic, you know, pond you know, surrounded by trees. And she's like, you know, she's never seen water like that. She's never seen grass, trees, anything like that before. All she knows is sand. As we all know from Star Wars, I hate sand. (laughs) Uh, We we get a scene of Kylo praying to the mask of Darth Vader. How did he get that? And instead of of, uh, 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 of saying, you know, uh, help me be evil, he says. Help me for being good, which I guess is the same thing, but a different way of, of saying it. But but uh, Kylo obviously has a a light side to himself, but he is trying so hard to suppress it. And this is when we get confirmation that he is in fact the daughter of Leia because he calls Darth Vader grandfather. I guess it must just be uh, brainwashing. I never really understood why uh, the character, and this is this is for, for all three of the sequel movies, why exactly he wanted so badly to be a bad guy. Was he? Was it just like I'm going to lash out against my my dad? Um, you know, was it something? Was this uh, uh, you know leftovers from the way he felt uh, Luke treated him? Um, you know, we get a little more. You know, through the last Jedi, you, you certainly get more backstory, but I never could figure out exactly why he was so hell bent on being, you know, a dark angel. Well, at this point, having only seen this movie, those questions are unanswered. Yeah, I mean, besides the fact that he's just, you know, again, he's basically a child in a, in a grown-up's body. You know, as, as he's demonstrated a couple of times uh, to that point in the movie. I mean, Leia. It was either Leia or Han said. You know, that basically Snoke seduced him. Yeah. Know, and once once you're seduced into something, you kind of go full tilt towards it. Yeah, and there's certainly the psychological uh, affect of, of wanting to perpetuate things that you believe. Um, you know, how much of it was just petulance? You know, how much of it was a, a lost, you know, a lost little boy who, who never, you know, got to grow up, uh, you know, who, who never did. You know, because I'm certainly he's he's certainly not getting you know love from Snoke, um, so you know the idea that he may have has, he has never felt love, and you know why should he start now? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think you could write a pretty thick book on uh, the, the psychology of uh, Kylo Ren. Back at Maz, Maz's, uh, Finn tries to hitch a ride. He needs to get away from the First Order, and Ray is drawn to Luke's laser sword and she sees a whole bunch of crazy stuff yeah in this vision we get to hear alec guinness he says ray and we always and and of course we get to hear obi-wan say these are your first steps but we also hear alec guinness say the word ray and people were like he's dead how did they get him to say that well they just took the word afraid from one of the previous movies and trimmed off the F and the D at the end. And so it just sounds like he says, Ray, by the way, we hear that same little clip in rise of Skywalker at the end with all the Jedis. Ooh. 
And that vision is, is um, pretty freaky deaky because we see the Knights of Wren, which are referenced earlier in this movie. Um, uh, but we don't yeah, quite referenced. know. Yeah, but we don't quite know what that means or what they are, but we know that they're badasses. We also uh, uh, are back to Cloud City where, uh, where Luke. Uh, learn that Darth Vader was his father. Um, we we learn all these scenes uh, in just this cool little. Um, what are we calling it? A vision in this in Ray's vision. Yeah. When that vision first starts, as soon as she touches the lightsaber, you hear Darth Vader's breathing, his mechanical breathing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, she freaks out, and then Maj, Maj shows up, and she's like, "What was that?" There, there is a, um, there, there is a, a short, I guess you would call it a novella of you know, a woman who, uh, who called the first order at Maz's place to tell the first order that, uh, that yeah. the droid was there. So, yeah. So, uh, that character, uh, apparently is the same one that brought Maz the, uh, the lightsaber. Uh, she was she was uh, she was hired for a job to bring this crate across the galaxy, and uh, and it was ending up at Maz's, but she never knew what was in it. Uh, mm. it it's a short story, but it, it's in canon. On uh, a side note, later, after the vision, Han and Finn find Maz downstairs, and she's like, "Here, take this lightsaber." And Han's like, "Where did you get that?" She says that's a good story for another time. Yeah. Well, they are currently starting to tell that story in the in continuity in canon storyline in the Star Wars uh, comic book that is published by Marvel Comics. Oh, cool. Okay. Excellent. Um, let's see. So we jump back to uh, Star Killer Base, and Commander Hugs is uh, is giving a speech. <laughs> Hugs. Yeah, Commander hugs, and uh, and he, he's he's getting everyone uh, on the base excited, and then they destroy several planets. How does he how does he project his voice? He's not wearing a microphone. Yeah, no. Uh, 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 you know, he has a space microphone. I don't know. He course, he does man. the Harry Potter thing. He puts the uh, a wand up to his throat, and then yeah. it just kind of projects. There you go. Nice. Was it uh, just was it just me, or did the physics of that? scene where they destroyed all the planets did that bother you like all these planets seemed like really too close together physically yes yes <laughs> yes and the hosnian stem by the way is what that was yeah uh, that did bug me because a lot of these planets seem to be pretty close by and um you know but you know whatever it's star wars yeah uh so That's let's see the things that bothers you out of this whole thing <laughs> 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 I'm just I'm just stuck on this. I can't get past why the planets are so close. Uh, so we leave that, and we and the first order shows up at Maz's castle, and uh, we get a great fight scene. Uh, 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 someone calls um, Finn a traitor, and there's a great fight scene. Kylo finds Ray, uh, and then the resistance finally shows up for the rescue, and Ray is. T- Taken away. 
This was one of my favorite scenes in the movie from an action standpoint. It's just, it's so much fun because seeing Finn hold a lightsaber is just such a great, uh, you think he's the one, he's the chosen one. Like, like we're confused throughout the whole movie. Who's the chosen one. And, uh, and, uh, you know, to see Finn handle himself pretty well is, is interesting. And the fact that he's called a traitor, uh, is another just great line um, because obviously the stormtroopers have have a grief against Finn. You know, just this whole action scene is great. I thought it was cool that one stormtrooper had that weapon, that new weapon that appeared to be like designed specifically to fight lightsabers. I always kind of took that, and maybe it wasn't, but I always kind of took that as the first order thinking, okay, uh. Just in case, guys, the Jedi, <laughs> just in case the Jedis and lightsabers ever make their way back into our world, we need to be prepared to fight them. So we have this great new weapon that we're going to train you on, and lightsabers can't cut it in half. It's great. Kylo Ren's tested it out and everything with his own <laughs> lightsaber. We know it's going to work great. I always kind of imagine, yeah. Came up with this, and, yeah. Uh, I always kind of imagine that conversation in my head when I saw that one guy with the with the new weapon. Hey guys, I get to use it. <laughs> the first scene where um, Ray and Kylo like first come in contact, and he holds her back with the Force. Right, you can see how scared she is, like yeah. how truly powerful this guy is. Which yeah. Is- and then Daisy is freaking out. You know, she's just like, I mean, I guess she's never experienced a force before. So, you know, just to get suddenly dragged like that would, would be terrifying. Uh, any, anything else about, about this? The resistance shows up at the end and stuff, but we're going to, we're finally going to jump up to another well, big scene. This is when Leia shows up. Yeah. yeah. That was the next scene I okay. was going to say. Okay. Uh, so let's jump to that. Leia finally shows up. And her and Han uh, meet, and they talk about their son. And C-3PO uh, uh, comes in at the worst time, of course, but that's what C-3PO does. Friggin' C-3PO. You probably didn't recognize me because of the red arm. But this scene carries a lot of weight, too, because it's, it's two established characters who we know have had a relationship in the past. Now we know they have a child, and for some reason they're apart, but why? And we learn why here. This is the first time we see Leia, correct? Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, that uncomfortable meeting after not seeing each other for a while, it's like, a uh, new haircut? <laughs> same jacket? Same jacket. <laughs> yeah, same jacket. No, new jacket. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Luke comments on on uh, on Leia's hair in Last Jedi. Is there a is there a hair comment in uh, Rise of Skywalker? Well, Luke doesn't actually do the comment. He's about to say something, and Leia goes, "I know what you're going to say." Oh, okay. I, I changed you. my hair. Okay. Thank okay. you. Yeah, but they don't really waste that much time, you know, with small talk. He just kind of goes right into it. Says, "I saw her. I saw our son. I saw him." You know, like, let's just cut the crap. Let's get right into it. He's alive. I saw him. Yeah. So were they not aware that he was still alive? It, that's that's one thing I always kind of uh, wondered. 
No, I'm pretty sure they knew that he was Kylo Ren at this point. Yeah. Okay. But they just maybe, hadn't physically seen him in a long time. That made it real, I guess. Yeah, it cemented the fact that he had turned. Yeah. That would do it. Because Leia says, you know, Snoke seduced him. They know, they know right. what he turned yeah. into. And and I guess it's a realization that, that, that you know, they, they have lost their son, but they, they just so much want to bring him back, their son back. Um, so, I mean, may, maybe in a sense, you know, he's still alive. I don't know. Maybe you could interpret that to mean, you know, uh, you know, there, there's still a little bit of, of our son in there and he's not all evil. I don't know. So moving on, uh, the map is revealed uh, from BB-8. They don't have the complete map, but they have part of it. And a plan is hatched to destroy a Starkiller base. And R2-D2 is asleep. <laughs> He's just yeah. depressed. Yeah. I didn't even know that could happen. He was just depressed. That's all. Uh, I got, yeah, and and we when we get to it, I need to know why he woke up. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll wait till we till we get to that. But we know R two exists. He's just uh, in low power mode. Maybe he's listening the whole time. Maybe he heard something. Well, yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, so now we jump up to Ray and Kylo having a meet meeting of the minds, and this time Ray wins. And this is the first time we see Kylo Ren's face because he takes his mask off. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's the yeah. first time. And then you realize this is just another kid. It's just a kid, just like Ray. When I saw his face the first time, I thought, I feel so sorry for this kid that he has been seduced to this life that he lives now. He just looks so innocent, but he's just this awful person, and it's, it's not his fault. And, uh, you know, the, the fact when he, uh, he can't, he can't beat Ray, uh, just the, uh, the freak out moment is pretty, pretty cool. I think, uh, we still don't know what is going on, but, uh, he knows that she is super strong, uh, with, she's starting to kind of figure stuff out too. She can read his mind. That's right. Yeah, she can. What does yeah. she what does she say to him about Darth Vader? You said that you'll never be as good as Darth Vader. Yeah. That's when he gets mad. Yeah. And then that's when he, yeah. 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 That's that's when he lets her go. Completely shuts, you know, his mind off. Whatever, and she's and starting to figure out that these things that he's able to do, she's able to do some things, whether it's the same or not, she's able to dabble in the same type of unexplainable things before when this movie was over there was a lot of questions about ray's ability her seemingly easily uh, her ability to easily access the force and to do things that she probably shouldn't be able to do without training and so before the other two movies came along there was a lot of talk and one of the things i kind of had in my head was the reason she's able to do these things is because when kylo ren interrogated her she kind of went into his mind at the same time and she some of her his abilities kind of went into her and kind of you know that's one of the things that made it okay for me that she was able wow. to do a lot of the things that she was able to do of course we find out in the third movie 
the real reason she's able to do these things. But before we ever got to that, I was like, you know, a lot of people had problems with the fact that she could do all this stuff easily. And I'm like, yeah, but when Kylo Ren interrogated her, you know, got into her mind, she could read his mind and kind of learn these things by osmosis. And that made it work for me. We also don't know what she's been through and what she's figured out, even if she didn't understand in all the years she's been alone. There could have been other things that had happened that had started triggering or unlocking parts of her abilities that maybe she didn't even know at that point. It was just kind of part of her. Maybe crawling in and around, maybe crawling in and around all those ships from the Empire. You know, maybe there's some dark side energy lingering and stuff. And uh, uh, Brad, uh, going along with your theory about like rooting around in Kylo's brain, uh, I guess that would kind of make sense to what was a funny scene. Uh, the, the scene of her controlling the stormtrooper uh, did kind of happen suddenly for me. I did. It's it funny, but it for me, that was just like that. That happened a little too quickly. Yeah. And it was very Disney, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things that I attributed to the invasion of her mind by Kylo Ren, that, that she was able to kind of learn that from his invasion of her mind. Um, we all know who that storm, the actor inside the stormtrooper armor was right. That she used the Jedi mind trick. Say it again, Ashley. Isn't it Daniel Craig? It certainly was James, (laughs) James Bond himself. Yes. That is a uh, that's such a, a funny little Easter egg that uh, like it means nothing, but it, it's cool that it, that it exists because I mean really that could be anybody, but to find out that it's yeah. Daniel Craig, yeah. like, oh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Ray uh, uses that opportunity to escape, and the Resistance hatches a plan to destroy Star Killer Base, which is, involves going to the planet. And Finn is going to use his knowledge as a former stormtrooper slash sanitation worker to uh, to break into Starkiller Base. And uh, Finn has one of the best lines. Uh, well, I say one of the best, but a great line where he's talking to Han, and Han goes, "How did you expect this to work? This plan to work?" And uh, Finn says, "We'll use the Force." And, and and Han says, that's not how that works. That's not how the force works. Yeah. While they're still talking about, before they make it down to the planet, and they're still talking about what they're going to do, um, we get to see Admiral Akbar. He, uh, he oh, has that's a, right. He has a quick little, you know, line or two. And um, then once they do go down to the planet, you know, they have that little conversation. And then we cut to a real quick scene of Kylo Ren talking to somebody. And he just stops mid-sentence and turns around and says, Han Solo. It's like he can sense the fact that his dad is now on the planet. So part of the plan is getting the shields to drop on Starkiller Base. And so who did they bump into but Captain Phasma? And here's a problem I have with, with, the, uh, with the movie. I think it's explained in, in the comic book, though, is that uh, she agrees to drop the shields, which, uh, of course, she does it by gunpoint. But it just it just doesn't seem like something a a seasoned military person would do. But it turns out she's a coward. Do you think she would have or should have sacrificed herself? You think she should have uh, called should have called Finn's bluff that he would actually put a bullet in her chrome dome? 
I think I think uh, in hindsight, yeah, I know it doesn't advance the plot, but I think uh, uh, someone of her ranking certainly would have the the military skills to kind of uh, karate chop him somehow. You know, you use some Star Wars kung fu on him, or 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 get out of the situation, or or play with him mentally to to kind of get him to back off. She um, she did kind of it. She did kind of just say, uh, "Well, you think my my troops are gonna." you know, you think you're going to get away with this? My troops are going to be here any second or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it, to me, it didn't, it didn't feel genuine, but that's just me. I kind of agree with you a bit. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's in the comic books. It's kind of re- revealed that she's, she's a bit of a, 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 uh, out for herself the whole time. And, uh, and a bit of a coward. Uh, so Han, Chewie, and Ray hatch a plan to stop uh, uh, Starkiller Base, uh, which involves putting bombs in certain locations of, of the base. And then we get it. We get the scene. Uh, Han and Kylo meet, and it is heartbreaking. The second time I saw the movie, I cried. The first time, I'm in complete fanboy mode, just in the whole movie. You, know. you you were spoiled going into the movie too, though you you so it was spoiled for you. Okay, I believe you. I just don't remember, but I remember the second time watching it, thinking I was crying not because Han Solo, my favorite character, was dead, but because his son is the one that killed him. I just thought yeah. that is just awful. I and couldn't imagine so- one of my kids killing me. How awful would that be? Something that I always think when I, uh, I mean, I definitely cried the first time I had seen that scene, but something that I can't help but think about when I watch it is, of course, every single part of it is heartbreaking. There's that close up of Han's face as he, you know, puts his hand on his, his son for the last time, put his, puts his hand on his cheek. But of course that's sad, but what gets me is that um, wide shot of him falling and spiraling down, just seeing how yeah. limp his body becomes. And it's, it's kind of like the abject, like it's not him, it's him and it's not, it's, it's, it's now he's just a corpse is very, that's what gets me for some reason, that wide shot. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, we, we, we lose a, a legacy character. Uh, uh, in this, uh, a well-loved character for, <clears throat> for all we know, uh, as um, as viewers, is going to continue on for the other three movies. But to, but to have him just die so suddenly is a shock. Uh, it's a shock to everyone uh, uh, who's watching as well. Chewie, I mean, Chewie loses it and, and immediately starts to shoot at Kylo. And uh, both both uh, Ray and and Finn just like like scream because they can't believe Ray just lost her father figure, uh, uh, you know someone who who believed in her, uh, offered her a job, and now he's gone. And uh, th- doesn't doesn't uh, Kylo say something along the lines of just like you think Han Solo is a father figure, don't you? Yeah, yeah, just a line like that. So so she has high regard for Han. So just a lot of emotion happening in that scene and Leia felt it from a mm-hmm. distance mm-hmm. oh so one, one quick comment when after so after Han is dead Chewie loses it 
and he starts running around shooting stormtroopers left and right. And we see him start to set the charges. My buddy Kevin Wright, he says, every time he sees one of those close-ups of Chewbacca's hands and his fingers <laughs> squeezing the, the buttons on the charges, he said it freaks him out to see Chewbacca's fingers so close up. He says, I can't explain it. It just rigs me out when I see Chewbacca's fingers like that. I always thought that was pretty funny. That's the first time we've seen Wookiee digits. This is true. <laughs> hey, Bill, let me ask you briefly, if you don't mind. Yeah. How, when, when the son kills the father, did that affect you the way it affected me? Uh, yeah, how could it not? Um I and um, I was trying to remember. I I think that um, somehow I I knew that, that that was going to happen going into the uh, the first airing. So I don't think it caught me uh, by surprise. Um, wish I could remember why, but uh, but yeah, the the whole idea of um, you know just you know the the father the father being so focused on just the you know the the love for his kid and then to get paid back that way just just the fact that you're so blinded uh by your own you know feelings that it it cannot occur to you that uh you know this kid may not make it back you know this kid may not you know at the last hurrah moment uh decide to turn and become good like darth vader did um do you think uh, harrison or uh, you think han solo was was hoping slash expecting that he's gonna he's gonna make that uh, that turn to the light side at, at the exact right moment uh like he well he didn't see it himself but he certainly understood that it happened uh um you know in the emperor's uh, throne room uh, the i think that the surprise on han's face was uh was the most heartbreaking part to me oh yeah uh, uh, because you know you, you knew you, know, you could tell that Han clearly expected that he would be able to you know break through you know his son's emotional defenses and and get him to at least you know acknowledge um, but for him to you know for Kylo Ren just to just to be so you know basically matter of fact about it you know it did not seem like he ever really did come that close to. Oh man, uh, you're right, Dad. I want to come back. Um, you know, you didn't. You didn't even get. You didn't even really get a glimmer of that moment there, which which I thought was the most heartbreaking thing. So I took yeah. it as I took it genuine that his, or his what he said about I know what I have to do. I just don't know that I have the strength to do it. I I felt like Kylo was genuinely trying to figure out which way he was going to commit to whether I know what I have to do, meaning kill my dad. I don't know that I can do it or I know what I have to do. Save my dad, turn on, turn on the dark side. I don't know if I have the strength to do it. I took it as him being genuine. It definitely would have been a quick, turnaround though given how serious he was at the beginning of the conversation if you took it as genuine it would have been it would have been kind of i know but if you like if you think about obviously none of this is real but if you put your if you put yourself in that situation no matter i don't know i just don't think you can ever i i personally could never no matter what happened 100 percent 
matter of fact, no questions asked, turn on my family. Even if I, I made the, made a choice to turn, there would always be some small part of me. Well, and, it, and it would be one thing to do it in a vacuum. You know, oh, my, my parents abandoned me, you know, to this Jedi Academy. And then, oh, my God, I wake up and there's Luke, like, looking at me with a lightsaber getting ready to chop my head off. And, and oh, God, uh, you know, now I'm scared for my life. And now this guy named Snoke has recruited me and is telling me, you know, about how, you know, really awful my parents, you know, and, and, and all of their friends actually are. All these people I thought cared for me clearly didn't. Um, but so, but in the heat of the moment with your parent literally standing there with an arm's reach, looking at you saying, come back to me, you know, to, to be able to, to take that moment and just spurn it, just turn your, your, your metaphorical back on, on a moment like that, I thought was, uh, uh, really, really hard to take. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I just, I, uh, what can I say? I didn't like that scene at all. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to like that scene. And again, I'm, I, yeah. I'm sorry to, you know, to make such a big deal about this. I know we still have a little bit of the movie left to discuss, and and we're, you know, we're taking our time with this. But um, it's just that movie was. Thank you for hanging in there with us, Frank. I know, <laughs> I appreciate it. But um, okay. um, I was rubbing my eyes. I know. <clears throat> As a as a parent, this scene really hit me hard, and I, I don't want to belabor the point a whole lot more. But yeah, I it for me, it's easy to love the scene and hate it at the same time. So, um, Brad, I, I would argue that's that's the that's a good that, that's the mark of a good scene because there's there's conflicting emotions there. Yeah. You know, you you are uh, you can one you guys can can relate to it. And two, you know, you you uh, uh, maybe understand it to a point, even though you don't agree with it. Yeah. And and you know, you you just you just want the best for this character, and and they make a wrong decision. And and you know, e- even that line about Kylo saying, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, I know what the right thing is to do. What what was that again? I know what I have to do. I just don't know that I have the strength to do it. So, you know, just saying that, you know, what does that mean? You can interpret it both ways and they're both yeah. right as far as far as we know. And, and you know, that that's definitely good writing and good interpretation. And, you know, the fact that it pulls at you uh, emotionally uh, is is good. And the fact that they reused it in, in yeah. Rise of Skywalker uh, makes it double poignant. Yeah. Yes, sure. All right. Take us on to the next scene, Frank. So here we go. We're going to get it, guys. We're going to get Finn, Ray, and Kylo, and they're going to use their laser swords and they're going to fight. Nice. And it's an epic fight. <laughs> and we uh, and we think that you know this whole time we uh, at least I'm still on board that you know Finn is the one. Finn has the sword. Finn's the one that's going to do this and uh, save the day. But no, there's more to the story and. Uh, and Ray rises to, to the occasion, and Ray is the one that, that ends up. Uh, um, I don't know if defeat is the right word, but but she's the one that that kind of stops him, stops Kylo, and uh, and you know, high point of the movie for me. Um, I thought you know, 
seeing Finn with the lightsaber hold his own with Kylo Ren, he even gets a shot in. I think he, I think he hits Kylo once or maybe even twice, but you know, that really, that worked for me because he was trained as a stormtrooper and, and trained in combat. So I bought the fact that, that he was able to handle that much more than I was, than I was able to buy the fact that Ray had such a easy time with the lightsaber, but I did not have a problem with, with Finn's ability to, to use the lightsaber whatsoever. And I thought it was really well done. And, uh, it was, it was, yeah, much like Frank said, it was just freaking sweet. It also helps to know, obviously I know we're not talking about rise of Skywalker, but it also helps to know what we find out in that movie as well. Sure, And I, I mentioned earlier, I reserved the right to bring that up, you know, knowing now we know that Finn is force sensitive, uh, m- makes it much more easier to to look yeah. back at that scene with fondness as well. I bought into him being force sensitive the whole time. I, 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 I love the character of Finn, and it was it's nice because how like truly we it's not really ever touched on the fact that people that are force sensitive are aren't Jedi. Like it's nice to. See well, that aspect of it too. Maz even says out loud earlier in the movie, "I'm no Jedi, but I know the Force." So that kind of sets the sets the the stage, or it it reinforces the stage that just because you know the Force doesn't mean you have to be a Jedi. You know. Yeah. Also, we we get that that shot which which does carry some weight now after Rise of Skywalker of Ray being bathed in both the blue and the red light. And, and yeah, and you can, you know, but before Rise of Skywalker, you know, there were theories abound about like, what does that mean? You know, is she good and bad? And it was so much fun to to play in that area. But, uh, but you know, you, you can now argue that like, no, that's, that's foretelling that, you know, she is a Palpatine because of the red and light on her, but she, but she has good in her. So she's a good Palpatine. I love that shot where, Kylo Ren is reaching for the lightsaber and it's it's flickering in the snow and it leaves and it all of a sudden it just bypasses him and goes right to Ray and she's got it. I was like, Yes! <laughs> I think I threw I think I threw both of my hands up in the air like this in the movie theater and was like, Yes. Such a and good that, fan and, moment. Yeah, and that was that that was a good surprise. I'm pretty sure I, I cheered out loud too when that happened because it was a little unexpected, I think. At least at the moment, you know, uh, because we're, we're all focused on Finn and, you know, Kylo just trying to get the, the laser sword. And, and, uh, and you think, is it, I mean, we're almost at the end. Is this it? Is this it? It was like that moment in Rocky four when he beats the Russian and you just can't help but stand up and <laughs> scream. And yes, it was one of those types of scenes. That's definitely when you feel like a new hero has been born for a new generation of star Wars fans. I have a comment about, yes, Allison, you're absolutely right. That was the moment that it cemented for me when she caught that lightsaber like that. I was like, oh, this is our new hero and this is what's going to propel this story from from here on. But um, and she has an expression on her face, too, when she gets it like it's just a bit of surprise. Mm -hmm. Like, like, oh, oh, crap, that worked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did I do that? Oh, no. 
um, when she's fighting, there were some comments about her fighting style when she was fighting uh, Kylo Ren. There was a lot of a lot of fanboys were like, "Oh, she's related to Palpatine because of the way she fought Kylo Ren with the lightsaber." Because if you go back and look at Palpatine when he fought the four Jedi at the end of Revenge of the Sith, there was a lot of thrusting of the sword straight out from the body. And uh, Rey did that several times when she was fighting Kylo Ren. So there was a lot of... It's funny how the the tables, you know, it's come full circle where she. it turns out she actually is a Palpatine and maybe the, some of that fighting style was a little inbred in, you know, in the DNA. Yeah. I think that's my uh, my favorite thing about the action beats of uh, that movie was just uh, the, the fact that Rey has this completely unique uh, style uh, of, of holding it, of using it. Um, you know, she's uh, she's holding it like uh, I've never been in a knife fight. Thank goodness, but you've always heard that you know, you know, you know, if you're fighting with a knife, you don't hold it out like you would if you're like cutting vegetables or something. You know, you actually hold it so you know the blade comes out the bottom of your hand and the blade faces forward so you can swipe and block and all that. And, and that's the way she uh, she used lightsaber. I just thought it's always thought that was a super freaking cool visual. Note and to self. Cool to see him come up with something uh, unique. <laughs> Note to self. Next time in a knife fight, turn knife around 180 degrees. Thank you, Bill, for that. You got it, buddy. <laughs> you know, there, uh, uh, a, a bit of a, of a tangent, but the, this movie's kind of always stuck with me. There, There's this bad movie called Mom and Dad Save the Universe or Save the World. And two characters who have never sword fought have to fight with swords in it. And so they start the fight and they don't know what they're doing and they're swinging and missing and stuff. And it's so funny because that's how it is in in like real life. If someone gave you a sword, you've never done it before. You're just going to swing wildly and miss and stuff. Uh, It would have been kind of funny if that was (laughs) Ray's. If that's how Ray did it, you know, Take that. Eh. Uh, but so uh, uh, so it ends. We think is is uh, is Finn dead? You know, we don't know. He's in bad shape. Um, but we go back to uh, to the uh, resistance, and uh, R two awakes and reveals the last part of the missing map, and Ray is sent out to find Luke, and she does. And she reaches out to give him his laser sword, and it ends. Do you think oh my. Mark Hamill was upset when he read the script? <laughs> or or did they go, you don't need to read it, Mark, or, Mark just trust us. <laughs> You're in the movie, but you don't need to read it. You're fine. I read something else that he originally had a larger part in the movie, but it was scaled back because they didn't want him to distract from... All the newcomers and the storyline that they had established. Well, um, uh, Mark Hamill did say that uh, he thought that the limited, very limited screen time was a surprise to him, and uh, apparently he was initially not really on board with only getting you know five seconds of screen time. Uh, why? No idea. Um, Abrams. Uh, Abrams said that um, that he intended for the entire movie to be a great long drum roll, um, you know, leading up to seeing Luke Skywalker. Well, it'd be kind of hard to tell the same story if supposedly Luke Skywalker has been missing this whole time. And 
this whole movie is about trying to find him. I mean, where would the suspense and the drama be if we had found him halfway through the movie? You know, so it's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two when it comes to that. But I could just imagine when uh, when um, you know when they started talking about episode seven possibly being made, and oh, it's been officially confirmed that the original Holy Trinity of Star Wars is going to be in the new movie with some new people. I could just see. Mark Hamill getting that call from his agent, just jumping up and down. It's like, okay, he's starting yeah. to make it. I got to go to the gym. I got to start changing my diet. I got to start doing all this <laughs> stuff. And then he gets the script and he's like, what the hell? Uh, what? <laughs> so uh, early on in, in the press uh, for episode seven, uh, they, they showed a black and white photo of the Trinity along with Peter Mayhew and stuff all sitting around for the first script read. And uh, it's funny to think that Peter Mayhew would be like reading it. It's like, okay, so look at, let me, let me look at my lines. Okay. I roar here. Okay. <laughs> and roar here. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I mean, Chewbacca had more lines than Luke did. This is true. When you think about it, <laughs> it really is. That's crazy. That's something that no I, human being has I, ever uttered before until just now. Chewbacca had more lines than Luke Skywalker. Nice. <laughs> nice. And uh, I think Peter Mayhew was only in the cockpit scenes. We can't walk. Uh, as of that time, he wasn't very mobile. So uh, Right. Yeah, he was so, having uh, problems. Yeah, I think this was his last movie, too. I don't think he was yes. in any, any ones. He did uh, uh, his double, Junus Sotamo, whatever his name was, uh, was, the, um, uh, was the stunt double uh, for this movie. And... Um, uh, yeah, the 71-year-old Mayhew at the time was dealing with knee problems. Big surprise. Um, of course, this is also the last time uh, Mayhew physically portrayed him. Suatamo um, uh, uh, did play uh, Chewie in, in all his further appearances. So, yeah, uh, we may have heard Peter. I, I, I'm trying to remember. Does, does Peter Mayhew, is he the one that goes? No, no. Another the- voice type actor. Chewbacca's voice was a creation of the audio designer Ben Burt, who took different oh, animal right. noises and created them. Um, yeah. Did it bother anybody else when when the Millennium Falcon makes it back to the Resistance base and they they bring Finn out on the stretcher? Did did it bother anybody else that Chewie walked right past Leia without acknowledging her at all? Mm. Well, no, and I guess that's because she just lost a. She just lost her husband. Yeah, um, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, JJ, it didn't bother me. I read the thing where JJ said that was his biggest regret of the Force Awakens was that in that scene that he didn't make Chewbacca and 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 Leia have any kind of acknowledgement of the the loss of Han. He just walked right past her. It seemed like he was more concerned with Finn's well being at that point. Um, you know, you, you can make all type of excuses like, like Chewbacca was in shock, yeah, which would make sense. And, and just not, not responding like, like you, you normally would, uh, Chewbacca does, I seem to, he does have a morning scene where he somewhere in there, uh, where he's just kind of, he puts his head down. Uh, am I making that up or it you that might, happens in the movie? You might be remembering the scene from rise of Skywalker when he finds out that Leia died. Okay, maybe maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, that concludes it. That is Force Awakens. Uh, you know, it feels obligatory that we we should rank this movie among the nine. Man, that's uh, hard oh, to do. It's people- my favorite of the sequels. Um, it's probably I probably like it better than any of the. Hell, it's probably my third or fourth favorite movie of the nine. I, depending I, on I, what you think about Return of the Jedi, Bill, I'd say yeah, it's I, my fourth I, favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, I think I would I would put it as fourth too. And you know, it for me, and this may be a generational thing too. It's like I could see like uh, uh, like maybe uh, uh, the girls there, may, maybe they hold it in in different regard. But I mean, you know, Star Wars is way back there in my past, and, and it's it's like a good good old friend, and I love I love it. And uh, this movie is just for me, it's a lot of fun. They did a good job. I love the characters. Um, uh, and for me, it's a fun movie. It's not necessarily one of those movies that speaks to me, but I'm happy when I watch it. I agree. I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of moments of lightness and joy in this movie, and you all you all know how much I value that. You know, I, I it doesn't have to be Dumb and Dumber, but you know, I need some <laughs> I need some contrast to uh, to the dark. Uh, yeah, watching something that's just it's just sheer, pure, one hundred percent, you know, unrelenting drama. Uh, to me, uh, is like uh, eating a piece of very rich cake. It's like I can take about a, I can take about a half a slice, and I just got to get the hell away from it for a while. That's kind of the experience. I'm, I'm um, uh, working my way through the season three of Westworld, and I watched an episode and a half two days ago, and thought to myself. Oh my God! I'm just—I've got to just turn this off. There, there's no joy whatsoever in this thing. It's really good, but I'm not having fun watching it. And I did get that fun with the Force Awakens. And thank you, J.J. Abrams and uh, and and the cast and crew for uh, hooking us up with that. Allison, what about you? Where does it fit in yours? I would say it's it's four as well. Um, fourth, my fourth favorite as well. It's definitely my favorite of the. Sequels. Yeah. Ashley, what about the uh, prequels? That's like asking me to rank my favorite children. Okay. So you so you can do it, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> There's a definite order. <laughs> I, no, I have a really hard time ranking them, but I, I can say that it's my favorite of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Fair I was, enough. I think we're all in agreement that it's the best of the sequels. Mm-hmm. And part of that might be too, though, that that was the first taste of Star Wars we had had in such a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, me and Dad dressed up. No, I think remember pictures of of you guys. So you were Ray, and Brad was an old Han Solo, Han Solo. right? He didn't wear it to the premiere. I was in full getup. <laughs> and people loved it. It was quite fun. But um, I. I cried when the crawl started because I was so excited and for the forever for the longest time up until then, like I just thought we were getting six Star Wars like everybody. We just thought we had six Star Wars movies. We didn't know any more was coming. So it's like when your parents tell you you can't have any more candy, but then they give you some more anyway. <laughs> because they're bad parents. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> no, I just I mean, you guys know how much I love Star Wars. Like, I just, that was the best night ever, being able to watch it 
again, like watch new Star Wars for the first time in what was it, ten? I mean, when you're apart from something that long, your brain automatically starts thinking up, oh, I, you know, it could be like this, it could be like this. And automatically, whether you want to or not, start to um, make some sort of expectation or whatever. But if they do it right, there's nothing like yeah. coming back to a world and it feeling familiar and right and yeah. true. I mean, I'm I'm also in the camp, I tell the dad this all the time, I'm in the camp of more Star Wars is good Star Wars. You can slap Star Wars on anything and I'll watch it. But I, by far of the sequel, or the, yeah, the sequel trilogy, I think it's the most solid movie. But part of it for me is that the feelings I associate with watching it for the first time again. So. And, and Allison, along what you say, you know, whenever I... I see a preview for a Star Wars movie, you know, uh, I always assume it's going to be great. You know, I just can't help, but I, you know, I did that with the prequels too. It's just like, Oh, Phantom Menace. Well, this, this, look at this, this is going to be great. You know, and, and it's, and, you know, you need hindsight and stuff to kind of, kind of see where they sit, uh, sit with you and stuff like that. But, you know, um, you know, so Star Wars is a great universe to play, and I'm glad the books exist. I'm glad the video games exist, and uh, and it's just a, a fun universe, and uh, and I love diving into it uh, uh, as much as I do. I mean, I I, I never read uh, any of the books in any particular order. I would just pick one up occasionally. I think the last one I read was Scoundrels. If you guys remember that one, yeah, uh, that was a uh, Timothy Zahn, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and that was kind of a that that was a fun book, a uh, little forgettable in that like I'm not quite sure how it ended, but I enjoyed reading it when I had it. So, <laughs> um, Ashley, the way you felt about watching The Force Awakens for the first time and that excitement and that just giddiness is the way the three of us felt when we watched The Phantom Menace when we sat down in the movie theater to watch The Phantom Menace after 20 years or whatever it was. It was that same, regardless of how the movie turned out. We had that very same giddiness and and excitement that you know for watching that movie, and and hopefully you know we we have the the Mandalorian now, uh, which I, I I'm going to start watching, but I've heard great things about. Um, oh, it's so you know. good! Yeah, Frank. After you get that under your belt, we'll do an episode uh, about that TV show. Okay. Uh, I will say, uh, just as a quick side note, there's a, there's a podcast I listen to called Jordan, just go. And they're they're comedians. And one of the guys talks about, uh, he's about to sit down to watch the Mandalorian. And he wants to know if it's the Bobo Fett or a Bobo Fett. And he does this long (laughs) spiel about like, before he even starts to watch it, is it a, or is it the, and then he goes into Baby Yoda, and then he, he ends it with, is it a Baby Yoda, or is it the Baby Yoda? And right. it's, a pretty brilliant, it's a pretty brilliant little skit he does. That's, That's a fair question, because nobody's got an answer to that. Right. Hopefully we will next season. Well, okay, is that going to wrap us up? Yes. All right. Well, guys, we want to thank you so much for listening to us, uh, uh, listening to the last commercial-free podcast on the internet, Half Hour Wasted. Uh, we want to thank Allison and Ashley for being on the Skype with us. Girls, they, what are you going to do with the rest of the day? Ooh, probably Stay- watch Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. We're all still quarantined, so yeah. Uh, the Lighthouse is on Amazon Prime now, so I might watch that. She's watching that by herself. <laughs> I, I enjoyed The Witch, and I like Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, so I, and I've been wanting to see The Lighthouse, so I'm going to watch it. Uh, I hear I hear you're in for a journey. It's a it's it's a bit of a long journey, but it gets worth it from what I've heard. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, but I'm but enjoy that journey by yourself. Uh, <laughs> <I'm out. laughs> so uh, l- drop us an email at halfhourwasted at gmail dot com. Uh, come on over to Twitter, baby. Tell us about this episode at half hour wasted. And uh, until next week, we don't know what we're doing next week. It's probably going to be our wacky, you know, off-the-cuff type humor. But until next time, I'm Frank. I'm Brad. And I'm still Lando Calvillian. Yes. And we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted. <laughs>